If you can attest to that, can you just lift your hands a moment and say thank you, God, for your faithfulness? Can you take a moment and just say, God, thank you that you've never failed me? Hallelujah. Glory to your name. There is a difference in disappointment and failure. I've been disappointed because God didn't do what I wanted him to do. I've been disappointed because I didn't get the answer that I wanted. I think people, when they hear Christians sing about songs, about God not failing, God never letting us down, God, they think that we've always gotten what we wanted. But failure is defined in that when it was all said and done, failure would mean I was not better, I was not closer to God, I was not a better disciple, that's failure. But regardless of what I go through, He's never let me down in that I have never been on the other side of anything God's brought me through and look back saying, that was a failure. I can always say, God brought me through. I'm stronger. I'm closer to God. I'm more like Him. And because of that, I can say, He has never failed me. He has never failed me. He is a faithful God. He's a faithful God. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You may be seated on this wonderful Wednesday night. What a great weekend we had this past weekend with Brother Ethan Hagen. Powerful move of God Sunday morning, Sunday night. And uh, if you could just endure a couple of weekends with Pastor, Brother Kleindens will be here on the 10th, and we're excited about that. Looking forward to God doing a great work. Amen. Through his ministry as well. God doing wonderful things. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful things. And I'm excited about it. I'll make more, uh, mention more on Sunday because there will be a lot of people here that will need to hear this. But I also want to let you know that um, Brother David has made available uh, all of the services of our recent services that you would normally hear uh, either online through Facebook or through our website or through YouTube. Oftentimes those are difficult to hear maybe at work or going down the road through those mediums if you're not able to stream or that kind of thing. And so he has put all of those in a podcast format. And so whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or any of the normal podcast formats that you use, if you will type in search Pentecostals of Fuquay, boom, there we are. And you can listen to uh, preaching uh, or teaching over the last uh, several weeks. And we're continuing to add to that through a podcast. And I personally love that. I love podcasts. So, Brother David, thank you so much for all the time that you put into that. Amen. Appreciate that so very much. To our entire media audio team, thank you so very much. Um, it's staggering just how many people are impacted on a weekly basis. We forget about that because we don't see them here. But in states and even countries, we have people from various countries that will watch services and, and uh, submit prayer requests and are encouraged and challenged through what God does here uh, in our services over the weekend. And so we thank God for all of those that make that sacrifice so that that is possible. So thank you so very much, so very much. Tonight, or uh, not just tonight, but for the next couple of Wednesday nights, I want to cover a topic that as, um, as your pastor, I feel it's imperative that we cover every I don't know, two to four years, somewhere in there. It's just, and, and 
more often is fine, but we at least need to make sure that we are covering this particular topic in that span of time, uh, as it is so important to us as Pentecostals. This is uh, one of the most frequently asked questions, one of the most frequently misunderstood things about Pentecostals. And so there are a lot of Pentecostals who avoid this topic around family members or co-workers because uh, they don't know how to necessarily answer it or talk about it or delve into it. And uh, there are so many things, misnomers, false uh, sayings and teachings and theories regarding uh, this topic tonight. Over the next two Wednesday nights, I hope to remind many of you, because many of you know this as a truth, but I want to affirm that. I want to secure that, reaffirm that. And, of course, if you just have been a part of the church a short amount of time, this may be illuminating uh, to you as well. So tonight, we are going to be talking about the difference between the gift of tongues and the Holy Ghost. The difference between the gift of tongues and the Holy Ghost. Now, I will say that speaking in tongues has become more mainstream than ever before. I recently was listening to a podcast where Max Licato was being interviewed. He is the number one selling Christian author of all times. He's got all kinds of books and, I, I don't know, hundreds of books I think he's written. But he is uh, widely respected in um, the religious arena. And he was being interviewed, and he shocked those that he was interviewing when he stated, literally after he made this statement, the podcast went silent for what seemed like a minute, but it was just a few seconds, but it so took them back. He said, recently in my prayer time, I have begun speaking in tongues as I'm praying. And this was not an apostolic podcast. <laughs> and so the interviewer... I, he said, excuse me? <laughs> he said, yes, I have gotten into such a place in my prayer. I have gotten into the Spirit of God. I have in my prayer time moved into a, an atmosphere, into an arena, into a depth that I have never, ever experienced before. And I have been speaking in tongues while I have been praying. Not long ago, Morgan Freeman was part of a documentary Morgan Freeman had embarked on a spiritual journey documented in his hit series, The Story of God. In an episode entitled Heaven and Hell, the actor explores the phenomenon of speaking in tongues when he visited New Life Pentecostal Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Some people feel they are touched by heaven, he said, in a physical way every Sunday. All around me, people have been swept up by an invisible force. And now they speak what they believe is the language of heaven. Gentlemen, if you'll get that slide up there, I appreciate that. He said, I can see it on their faces. They are genuinely somewhere else. While Freeman did not participate in the worship, he says he felt a transforming power in the room. Freeman called the experience powerful. That was quite a powerful experience, he said. I could feel the energy in that space. Normal people suddenly transformed by some power and then just as suddenly returning to normal. But Pentecostals believe they are bringing heaven down to earth, he 
he said. Megan Fox, in an interview recently, said magical, crazy things happen in church. She said, I've seen people healed. Even now in the church I go to during praise and worship, she said, I could feel that I was maybe getting ready to speak in tongues. And I had to shut it off because I don't know what the church would do if I started screaming out in tongues in the back. I know what this church would do. She said, it feels like a lot of energy coming through the top of your head. She said, I know I'm going to sound like a lunatic here, but then your whole body is filled with this electric current. <laughs> it's... It's comical to hear people describing the infilling of the Holy Ghost for the first time. And she said, you just start speaking, but then you're not thinking because you have no idea what you're saying. Words are coming out of your mouth and you can't control it, Fox explains. The idea is that it is a language that only God understands. It's a language spoken in heaven. And she said it's called, quote, getting the Holy Ghost. <laughs> We talk about it so much, we forget how foreign it sounds to other people. Recently, Denzel Washington was interviewed on Instagram Live by A.R. Bernard and described the dramatic experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit, an event that left a mark on him, although he was not prepared to follow God wholeheartedly at that time. He said, quote, I was filled with the Holy Ghost and it scared me. He said, I said, wait a minute. I didn't want to go this deep. I wanted to party. It was a supernatural, if not a once in a lifetime experience that I could not completely understand at that time, said Washington. Describing a moment in the early 80s when he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The actor decided to visit the West Angeles Church of God in Christ in Los Angeles. When the church gave an altar call, he thought, this time I'm going to just go down there, give it up, and see what happens. My father, he said, was a gentle man, a man of God, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, a long-standing elder and a member of the church. He said he was all spirit, and I mean he was all spirit. Denzel, speaking of his father, said he would speak in tongues at the drop of a hat and he loved to sing. Jesus promised this Holy Ghost to his followers. We need to be reminded of what a privilege and what an honor it is to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He promised it to his followers. John chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, I want you to mark these because for future conversations, if people are asking you about why you speak in tongues. You need to know where to go in your Bible. John chapter 14 and verse 16, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Many people can't believe in the Holy Ghost because they cannot see the Holy Ghost. Now, it's amazing how much they believe in that they still cannot see. 
They believe in fate. They believe in luck. They believe in superstition, all these things they can't see, but they believe in it. But they cannot believe in the Holy Ghost because they cannot see it. John said, the world cannot receive it because it seeth him not. But you shall because it shall be in you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which a father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. That was the prophetic word that was given. That prophetic word was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, when it was promised and given to all. Verse 39 of Acts chapter 2 tells us, For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Anybody that tells you the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for you or it's not for someone living in this modern era must then assume the responsibility of telling you that God is not calling you. They have then put themselves in a place where you have given them authority to tell you that God is not calling you. Like a personal testimony, you may not agree with it, but you cannot argue with the personal testimony. And you cannot argue with the fact that God is calling somebody. And so for someone to say, the Holy Ghost is not for you, it's not for those living in this modern era, outside of all of the biblical proofs that we will cover tonight, you must at first acknowledge if you do not think that the Holy Ghost is for people or for you now, that God is not calling that person or you. Because the Bible says, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so anybody that says it's not for you, you can say, it may not be for you, but I can tell you it's for me because God is calling me. I feel the call of God. I feel the drawing. I feel the convicting power. And so just because you may not feel called, I can tell you God is calling me. He's calling me. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. Someone say sound. This will be very important in a few moments. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. A very personal experience. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The initial evidence of the Holy Ghost came upon the 120 disciples in that upper room, but it was witnessed by devout Jews out of every nation. This speaking in tongues referenced here in Acts chapter 2 was prophesied in Isaiah 
In Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 11, for any of those that may feel like the speaking in tongues thing is only a New Testament phenomenon not ever mentioned or referenced in the Old Testament. Isaiah 28 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Jesus said, Mark 16 and 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. John chapter 3 and verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound. Someone say sound. Very important. Very important. John references the sound here. Acts chapter 2 references the sound. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is not something you see, but you see the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Like the wind, you don't see the wind. You see the evidence of the wind. You see the leaves moving. You see the trees swaying. You see the clouds moving in the horizon. You are not seeing the wind. You are seeing the effects of the wind. Even what you hear when you hear the wind blowing. The Bible says that the Spirit is the same way. Although you may not see it with your physical eyes, when you hear the sound, that is the evidence. That is when you know that it is moving. And so everyone that is born, someone say born born of the Spirit. When you are born again and you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's not like you see Casper the Ghost come down and go in somebody's body. The Bible says you don't see it like you would see anything else. You see the effects of it and it likens it to the wind. But you hear the sound. What is that sound when someone receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Speaking in other tongues. That's the sound the Bible is referencing here. So is everyone that is born, John 3 and 8, of the Spirit. So what is that sign that assures that this gift has been received? What is that sign? Well, there's only one biblical precedence. There are many things that may happen when someone receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, they may get excited. Some people cry. Some shout. I, there's no, uh, no exact formula except for speaking in tongues. I've seen people lift their hands and with very little emotion just yield to God and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've seen people roll on the floor. I've seen people cry. The one biblical precedence is that New Testament believers spoke in tongues. It's the only universal sign displayed among all of those that receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so it's very important that you understand that concept because many people think that when they see someone receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if it doesn't look like the experience they have, then they say, oh, they didn't get the Holy Ghost. Because when I got the Holy Ghost, I shouted all over the room, I ran, I bit holes in the ceiling, I went crazy. Well, bless God, that's wonderful. But none of those are the universal sign. That's not the duplicated sign that was given in the New Testament. There's only one sign that we're listening for, and it's the sound of someone speaking in tongues. 
And so just because they are not doing what you did, you can't be the Holy Ghost. And please say, well, I don't think they got the Holy Ghost. Because that, none of that matters. Your experience may be totally different, except for the universal precedence that was set, and we'll talk about that in a minute, of speaking in a, in a, in a language you've never learned. Often people ask, do you have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Ghost? I'll answer it like this. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in tongues. <laughs> it's like the whistle in the teapot. It'll happen. You'll know. Tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It's the sign you received the Holy Ghost. You've heard me say this before, but there was an old preacher that say, if you're just seeking tongues... Just seeking to speak in tongues, that's not the Holy Ghost. But it's like going in a shoe store. If you get the shoe, you're going to get the tongue. If you're seeking the Holy Ghost, you repent. You say, God, I repent of my sins. I'm asking you to fill me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, I promise you're going to speak in tongues. Now, it may not sound like anybody else. Right? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But you will speak in tongues. The Bible teaches three principal ways in which tongues are manifested. Three principal ways that tongues are manifested. Number one, what we are referencing right now, as the initial sign of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit baptism. The initial sign. Now, for years, I would say speaking in tongues is the evidence that you've received the Holy Ghost. But I heard Brother Bernard make this point, and I think it's, it's an excellent point. I have begun using the word sign more than I have used the word evidence because evidence means if people speak in tongues a long time, then there's a lot of evidence they got the Holy Ghost. Or if someone only speaks in tongues for a few minutes, then you can say, well, they only got a little bit of the Holy Ghost. There's no such thing. You either got it or you don't. And so, you know, old-timers used to say, boy, they got a good dose of the Holy Ghost. No, you either got it or you didn't. That's why a sign, they, there is a sign they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's probably a better word to use than evidence because if someone receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they only speak in tongues a moment or two, then if you use the word evidence and you're like, well, there's not a lot of evidence. No, the sign is just like bubbles that come to the top of the water. If there's a sign, they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, they may speak in tongues all night long or they may speak in tongues five minutes. That doesn't mean he got a five-minute version of it. <laughs> He got the great value brand and they got the, no, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and when it happens, it's just like baptism. Once it happens, it's a supernatural work of God, an infilling of God's spirit in you. Doesn't mean just like if you're baptized, if I hold them under the water for an extra long time, doesn't mean they got better baptism than you. <laughs> Some of them may need to stay down there a little longer, but... But when they come up out of the water, they're in a covenant with God. They have taken on his name. Their sins are under the blood. And so it is when you repent of your sins, lift up your hands, and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Whether you speak in tongues five minutes or five hours, you still are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The question on everyone's mind generally is posed people that are not Pentecostals, even people that may have been in the church a while that have been coming to a Pentecostal church and, they're, and they see someone speaking in tongues. This is the question that was posed in Acts chapter 2 and verse 12. This isn't a new question. And they were all amazed 
and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? You ever seen a, uh, <laughs> a good Presbyterian or Episcopalian or a Methodist coming to a Pentecostal church? This is their question. What meaneth this? What does someone speaking in tongues mean? When I see someone speaking in tongues, what does that mean? Well, the answer, Acts chapter 2 and verse 16, was given. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Peter was so careful to make sure that the people in the upper room that were seeing people speak in tongues for the first time, he wanted to make sure this isn't something we made up in the back room. This isn't some new experience or new religion. This isn't something mysterious that we cooked up on our own. He immediately took this experience and linked it to an Old Testament prophecy when he said this is that which was spoken of by that prophet that you revere, that you respect, that you know. You ever heard of Joel? Oh, yeah. This is what he was talking about. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. Joel said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. A direct answer for a direct question. What does this speaking in tongues mean? Joel said, it is a pouring out of God's spirit upon flesh. When you see someone speaking in tongues, that means they have received the infilling of God's Spirit. Peter answered that question in Acts chapter 2. The infilling of the Holy Ghost continued throughout the book of Acts. Cornelius and his household spoke in tongues when they were baptized with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10 and verse 45, And they of the circumcision which... Believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that's wonderful. It's wonderful that the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the Gentiles and it's no respecter of persons. Doesn't matter where you came from, who you are, what your background is. None of that matters. He establishes that in verse 45. But what is even more important is how he knew that. In verse 46, how did he know that they had received the gift of the Holy Ghost? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how you know. They can dance around. They can stand on their head. They can shout, run the tops of the pews. That's all wonderful. But that don't mean you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He knew they had received the same thing they received in the upper room because he said the universal sign is they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Peter confirmed this experience in Acts chapter 11 and verse 15 when he said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. How did he know? He heard them speak with tongues. He was able to see what God had done in their life through the sound of them speaking in tongues, and he was able to recognize it. Oh, 
They are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost because that's what happened to us in Acts chapter 2. How would Peter know that the experience was the same as his? Was fi did fire fall there? No. Was wind mentioned here? No. Was rolling on the floor mentioned here? No. The only other sign was speaking in an unknown tongue. And he referenced it here when he said, and they spake with tongues and magnified God. So although wind and fire accompanied tongues in the initial outpouring, only that tongues, only that speaking in tongues would be the sign for subsequent converts. It's the only thing that continued to happen. In the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the upper room, there was fire, there was wind. But in the subsequent infillings of the Holy Ghost throughout the New Testament, the only sign that continued was speaking in tongues. And so we as believers, there's a reason why we call ourselves apostolics, because we believe in the apostolic doctrine. We believe that the church should be as close to the original church as we possibly can get. Culture doesn't change that. Society doesn't change that. No matter what, we are trying to be as close to the original church as we possibly can. And we are certainly wanting to be as close to the original church as we possibly can in the salvation experience because there's nothing more important than that. And if they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the sign of speaking in tongues, you can nod your head and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That is wonderful. You can shake a preacher's hand. You can come to the altar. You can sign a card. I'm all for that if it draws you closer to God. But honey, you have not received the infilling of the Holy Ghost and let you have spoken in tongues. That's the universal sign continued to carry out through the New Testament. It is not a mental acknowledgement. You cannot say, okay, I got the Holy Ghost. It's not a mental acknowledgement. It is a supernatural infilling of God's Spirit with the sign of speaking in tongues. When the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost, by laying on of one of the apostles' hands, there was miraculous evidence of God's power which exceeded the miracles and signs already experienced. This prompted Simon the sorcerer to offer money to buy this power. When he saw them speaking in tongues, he was like, man, i got to have that. Like, how cool would it be if I could lay my hands on somebody and they could speak in another language? He's like, I, I want that. And so he offered to buy money that whomsoever he laid his hands, they may receive the Holy Ghost according to the biblical signs that follow believers and the experiences received at Pentecost, Caesarea, and Ephesus. And yet there should be no doubt that the Samaritans received the Holy Ghost with the same initial evidence of speaking in tongues, Acts chapter 8, 5 through 25. Paul spoke in tongues. How do we know that? 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, Paul said this. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He wasn't saying it in a braggadocious way. It's not a speaking in tongues contest, right? We're not having a speaking in tongues marathon here. He was simply stating that I believe it in as much as any of you. 
I affirm this, I experience this as much as any of you. History also proves that speaking in tongues was the evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism in the early church, early church and has not ceased to be a biblical experience among believers today. Now, teaching this 10 years ago, we stood out even more than we do today. But what you may not know, because you may have been a Pentecostal all your life, but um, I interact and speak with a lot of other pastors in our community, and I'm familiar with them and have conversations with them on a regular basis. And I can tell you that people secretly receive the Holy Ghost in churches all over our town all the time. Now, they don't broadcast it. They don't necessarily want people to know it. But they have discovered they can't stop it. Because since they've allowed them to worship the way they want to worship, now they used to confine them and they used to structure the worship service to such a, a point that no one was given the liberty to really praise God. But now that there's contemporary services and there's open worship and there's a little bit of liberty given in, in a lot of other churches, now they have discovered that people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, unfortunately, the dilemma they're running into is when these converts come to their pastor and they want an explanation as to what happened to them on the third pew. And he's been telling them, oh, that's not for you. That's only for the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2. It's not for you. It doesn't happen anymore. Or they're like, well, that's funny because it happened 30 minutes ago right over there. And then they start looking at other things in the Bible. <laughs> that they're not hearing across the pulpit. And then they come through that back door. And they find out there are people that believe the Holy Ghost is for them. As many as the Lord our God shall call. And for your children, for your grandchildren, if you want it, you can have it. Right? The Encyclopedia Britannica, even in the 1972 edition volume, 22 page 75 says tongue speaking manifested itself early in the Christian's experience. At Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the gift appeared as a sign of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit which marked the character of the earliest Christians. During later church history, speaking in tongues occurred among the friars of the 13th century. Little prophets of Sebanus, the Jasonists, and the Irvingites, tongues were also found among the early Quakers, as well as among the converts of John Wesley and George Whitfield. In modern times, speaking in tongues has been found chiefly among holiness and Pentecostal groups. The Saturday Evening Post, May 16, 1964, page 32, says, Praying in tongues has recurred at intervals throughout the Christian era, although it did not affect large masses until early in this century. Its advocates were quickly expelled from the established churches, <laughs> whereupon they established the Pentecostal churches. For 50 years, it remained almost the exclusive possession of the Pentecostal churches. Newsweek, June 25th, 1973, page 80, the Pentecostal phenomenon has spread with surprising speed throughout all of the world's major Christian churches. 
Recently in El Salvador, 3,000 received the Holy Ghost in one day. In Papua New Guinea, 4,000 in one day. In another day, separately, Papua New Guinea, 3,000 in one day. Recently, in one of our missionary crusades, 7,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in one day. The cat's out of the bag. <laughs> the cat's out of the bag. In one Ethiopian campaign, 30,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In another Ethiopian campaign, 60,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, you want to tell 60,000 people that it's not for them? <laughs> the reality of it is, it is. It's for every single person in Ethiopia, and it's for every single person in Fuquay Marina and Willow Springs. We're in a great day of outpouring in God's Spirit. A couple of years ago in one service, in a service in Louisiana, 700 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost right here in the United States. One service. Now it's important that you understand what speaking in tongues is. Do not let your family member who had a bad Pentecostal or church experience 20 years ago define what speaking in tongues is for you. This is what defines speaking in tongues. Right? Not some family member, not some co-worker, not some friend. Not even me or you. The Bible is the ultimate authority speaking in tongues. I want to make sure you understand this. Because I might ruffle some feathers here, but I'm going to tell you the truth. God does not take your tongue and make you speak words. So I want to eliminate all the mystery, all the mysticism. We often wonder why people have a hard time understanding the Holy Ghost because we want to try to make it so mystical and so weird and out there. And they're like, the reality of it is God does not take your tongue and make you speak words. You do not let your tongue go limp and think God's going to supernaturally move it. That's not receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And let me just point this out. It's a whole other Bible study, but no one can teach you how to speak in tongues. If you've been to some church that's going to teach you a prayer language and how to speak in tongues, get out of there. That's not biblical. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and this is what I want you to notice, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who spoke? They spoke. They spoke in tongues. It was the Spirit that gave them utterance. The Spirit was not speaking. The Spirit was giving them utterance. Utterance is the ability to speak clearly, but they spoke. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's not like some other voice comes out of you or God takes control of your tongue. Speaking in tongues is very simply yielding to God in that moment and you speaking and you allowing God's Spirit to speak through you and you speaking in other tongues. Not God taking control of your tongue. And Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, I read this earlier, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because they, the Gentiles, were poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them, someone say them. It was that person speak with tongues and magnify God. Magnify God. Acts chapter 19 and verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, 
the Holy Ghost came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They, Acts chapter 19 tells us that we will speak in tongues if we receive the Holy Ghost. We will speak. There's, there's this idea and this theory, you know, that, uh, and I think people have thought about it or thought of maybe for years, even in the church, that somehow God takes control of people and they're out of control and God takes control of their tongue and they're going to, that's not the way the Holy Ghost works. Holy Ghost is simply yielding, yielding yourself to God and saying, God, I am going to relinquish my pride, relinquish, uh, you know, my, what I'm concerned about people thinking about me and I'm going to yield my voice to you. And in that moment, God fills you with that baptism of the Holy Ghost and you may speak a language that you may not know, but I've seen people receive the Holy Ghost and speak a language that somebody else in that service knew. I've seen people speak Hebrew and Greek and, word, and, and languages they've never learned. You may, or you may speak in an unknown language that no one's ever heard before. It is the sign that God's Spirit is inside of you. And it's the biblical sign. I want to make sure to point that out. It's not the, the Pentecostals of Fuquay sign. It's not our religion sign, right? It's not something we made it. We are simply having the same experience that took place in the upper room and also in subsequent times after the upper room. Never does the Bible say the Holy Ghost speaks in tongues. We do the speaking. We do the speaking. No man can talk in two languages at the same time. Therein lies the power of the Holy Ghost. You relinquish to God. You surrender wholeheartedly to God. Now, why did God choose tongues? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. It is re releasing your learned language and begin speaking in an unlearned, possibly unknown language. And this is very important. It's an act of faith and a surrender that allows God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's in that moment saying, I have completely surrendered to God. I've yielded to God in this moment. I'm not holding on to anything. I'm not holding anything back. It's the sign that God shows that allows us to know that person has fully surrendered to God. Fully submitted to Him. Why did God choose tongues for the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism? Well, He's God and He can do what He wants to do, but there's a few things that we feel like are to be noted. The following reasons Isaiah asked in Isaiah 14, 40 and 13 who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or who being his counselor hath taught him. Isaiah basically said God can do what he wants to. Isaiah 40 and 13 God is sovereign to choose as he will without being accountable to anyone. Now when you get to heaven you can ask him. All I know that's what the word says. Such a marvelous experience as the baptism of the Holy Ghost demands a marvelous evidence, a marvelous sign. So God chose to speak through a believer in a language that was foreign to that person as the outward sign of the marvelous infilling of the Holy Ghost. A third reason, and you've heard this before, the tongue, the Bible says, is the most unruly member of the body. How many know that's to be true? You ever had a toddler? <laughs> you ever had people in your life act like toddlers? Can't control their tongue? The most unruly member of the body. 
And the Bible goes on to say, it's full of deadly poison which no man can tame. It is a world of iniquity and is set on fire from hell. Therefore, the tongue is capable of defiling the entire body. That's what the Bible says about the tongue. James 3 and 6, before man can be fully sanctified, the tongue which defiled must be brought under control. Who can tame the tongue? The Bible asks. I'll tell you who can. <laughs> James compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth which gives the driver complete control. Complete surrender. And when you see the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, it's like giving God complete control and surrender. In that James 3 and 3 said, So whoever controls the tongue controls the person. How beautiful is this glorious truth that God chose tongues as the evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism to symbolize his complete control of a believer. And this is the important for the sanctification of that individual's body. It means that God, from now on, now that your spirit is, a, is alive in me, you have filled me with your spirit, I'm going to make decisions that reflect that. I'm going to go places that reflect that. I'm going to allow your spirit to lead and to guide me. Number four, although other signs were manifested at Pentecost, God chose tongues for the uniform sign of the Holy Spirit baptism. Jesus said that this is the sign. This sign shall follow every believer of the gospel. The Jews were convinced that the Gentiles at Caesarea had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We mentioned this, for they heard them speak with other tongues. And so, we can surmise, number one, that God is God and He can do what He wants to. That's why He chose tongues. Number two, the Bible tells us the power of the tongue, how unruly the tongue is. And when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you speak in a language that you have not learned, it is in that moment a supernatural biblical sign that you have surrendered completely to God. And it was, more importantly than any of that, the sign that they had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost throughout the Bible, throughout the New Testament, once the inauguration of the New Testament church took place, the Spirit of God fell. It was made available throughout that period until now. It is the sign that you've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, aren't you? I'm thankful for it. Stand with me next week. We will go into more of... The distinguishing differences between receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and the gift of tongues. Those are two very different things. Two very different things. And uh, if you do not understand the differences in those two, then you can get confused as to uh, what the Holy Ghost is. Amen. I'm so thankful that God gave us the sign of speaking in tongues when we received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for that. Amen. What a wonderful gift to know that we can know that God lives inside of us. If you've got the Holy Ghost, lift your hand and say, God, thank you for it. 
Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your spirit, God. Thank you, God, that your spirit leads and guides and directs. Thank you, God, that your spirit protects, Lord. Thank you that you filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God, for this wonderful gift that you've made available to everyone. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. God bless you. Looking forward to seeing you in this weekend. Amen. It's going to be a great weekend. We're anticipating a great move of God. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.